Your story. It lives in River City. Where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel. Where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another. Where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha. Told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Today on the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show, Carl and guest host Scott Porter take on an entire offseason for the Broncos and what they view as their ideal outcome. This is the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show. Happy birthday, Nick. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up draft style. I am your host, Carl Dummler. And unfortunately, listeners, Nick is getting a much-deserved day off to go celebrate his 26th birthday. I would highly recommend if you get the chance to go wish him a happy birthday on Twitter, at NickKindleMHH. Eric also happened to have a family birthday going on today. So what that means for you listeners is that we have a guest host today by the name of Scott Porter. Now, listeners, I want to let you know that this podcast doesn't happen without Scott. I know for those who have been with us from the very beginning, Nick and I have both talked about this man, and he is the one that actually brought us two together. Just to give you a little little background, uh, what kind of happened was I was running or moderating, I guess, a Broncos message board, and it just so happened that Scott and a few others from another message board had, was it shut down? Yep, it was shut down. It was shut down. Okay, yeah, and they ended up finding their way to to the one that I was on and Scott and I got to talk in football. And as you know, we love talking draft and Scott loves talking about the draft. He has, he'll, he'll talk about this here in just a little bit, but he has his own draft website and Nick loved talking draft with him because they're both from Iowa. They're Iowa boys. I guess I'm a little outnumbered here, but ended up Scott thought it'd be a really good idea for Nick and I to get connected and start talking football together. And next thing you know, Nick and I start writing for different websites and he gets the opportunity to start a podcast and the editor kind of asked him who he would like to, to be able to do the podcast with. And my name came up and boom, here you go. Huddle Up Draft Podcast has come into existence all because a man named Scott Porter decided to introduce the two of us. So, Scott, we really appreciate that. We really appreciate all the opportunities that have opened up just because of that introduction. And it's just been kind Anytime, of crazy. Uh, I was, Go was going to say, Carl, going back on that story, I want I want the listeners to know that Nick and I actually met. Um, I was eating at a high V uh, cafe where Nick worked, 
And Nick saw my Bronco gear, saw my Bronco phone and my clothes and all that, and um, just took off with it. I never thought I'd meet another person in Iowa that loved the draft as much as me. And I think it was just a destiny that Nick and I connected and then connected him to you. So Perfect. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's just been kind of crazy how this has all happened for the three of us. <laughs> and we're still all talking on that same message board still today. And love it there. Absolutely. Love talking Broncos draft. I mean, we, we talk about it here on the podcast a ton. We talk about it all day. Talk about it on the message board. It's just everywhere. Uh, we're, we're obsessed with it. So you you listeners get the, the bulk of what just has been building up in us every single week. And like I said, I'm just excited to have Scott here. And Scott, I, I thought it'd be great for the listeners just to hear a little bit of, of your background and how you got into the draft how you got into your current job and everything that you're doing, because you have one of the most unique jobs <laughs> that probably none of our listeners, they might not even know anybody that's in this other than just the professional guys, sure. you know, the, the big name in the NFL, but just to, to know a little bit about your background. Sure. So I'll try to keep this as short as possible, but uh, I was in about second grade. I was pretty obsessed with the NFL at an early age. I can always remember my mom reading the paper that the NFL draft was coming about. So when I was in second grade, I watched my first NFL draft at my great grandma's house. Didn't know a lot of the players in the draft, knew a couple. I knew the Broncos first round pick, Mike Kroll. I'd seen him at Nebraska and Russell Merrill in the first pick in that draft. I just kind of fell in love with the draft. And the next year I wanted to watch it. And the next year, and the next year, and I just started, you know, spike my interest every year. I want to know more and more players. So I watched more and more college football. Then when I got into college, I was actually at message board that we migrated over to Sports Hoopla, where you and I are at. And a guy with a lot of web content experience decided, you know, to get a draft website going. So we did that. Um, One thing kind of led to another. At first, we kind of did player, you know, rankings and columns. And next thing I know, I'm getting agents and, and players hitting me up to do interviews, get them a little exposure on the website. So I started doing a lot of that which then kind of led to what I'm doing now. A lot of these interviewed players that I did, you know, I had a lot of NFL guys. I could go down a list, um, but I won't bore you there. A lot of these guys who did not get in the NFL, I kind of seeked an opportunity for them um, in indoor football, which is much like the AFL, but it's called the IFL. Um, it's actually more geared towards outdoor football rules. So the film for them is, is actually better to go up to the CFL and NFL and the local team, the Cedar Rapids Titans two years ago, actually kind of made me their, their head recruiter. So the last couple of years, you know, I was, I had been kind of bouncing players around different teams, you know, Green Bay, Nebraska, Colorado teams like that. And then I'm doing more hands-on with Cedar Rapids this year. So I've been doing a lot of the recruiting season's starting up right now. Got a lot of players flying in. It's been bad weather in Iowa. So a couple of people have missed flights. There's been a lot of delays. So it's it's been a hectic week for me doing that, but it's very rewarding. And I enjoyed it. Been doing it about six years now, two years where I've really been doing the bulk of, of the Cedar Rapids recruiting. And we actually hired the new coach this year is Marvin Jones, who might be familiar name to a lot of New York Jets fans. He's actually a first round pick in a, one of my first drafts I ever watched. He's a college Hall of Famer from Florida State. So I'm looking forward to working with him this year. And that's kind of the gist of that. So that's awesome. Yeah. That, you've had some amazing opportunities to connect with a lot of different people 
Uh, we've talked about it on the show a couple times of just some of the players with the Broncos, even that you've been connected with over the years with Brandon Marshall was one. I know that you have always had a good connection with yep. and trying to think of some of your other ones. Kayvon Webster, I knew yep. pretty well. Current team, Zaire Anderson, I know him well. Actually, we had a, a Bronco player, former Bronco player that was on Cedar Rapids, B.J. Lowry, who did not make the team, but he, he was one of the final cuts two years ago. Very good guy. And then I, you know, I've known Eric Decker from the past, Parrish Cox. You know, quite a, I'm a big DB guy, so you'll see a little theme of me knowing quite a bit of uh, DBs with the Broncos. So Darcel McBath was another guy that I knew pretty well. So. Well, there you go. If you uh, need to, to talk to anybody about a, a defensive back for the Broncos or anybody, really, this is the guy to connect with. And on that note, I want to let all of our listeners know that the Huddle Up 2018 Draft podcast is focused towards all things pertain to your Denver Broncos and, of course, the upcoming NFL Draft. With Scott and myself being draftaholics, we'll be bringing you today a fresh insight and analysis on every single player that we're going to talk about. We're going to give scouting reports, player value, scheme fits, personnel fits, and we're just maybe going to go through a little bit of general off-season banter today. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dimmler MHH, as well as follow Scott at BlitzingDog3. Interesting name. Yes, it comes from my old football roots back in high school. So well, there you go. <laughs> you can be, sure to, <laughs> be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, part of scout.com, and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football, draft, and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go take the time and go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Well, Scott, is, uh, before we get into all the draft and offseason conversations here, I thought we might as well talk. We just witnessed maybe one of the better Super Bowls I've ever watched. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a very much back and forth game. Um, I mean, a lot of action, not a lot of defense. And I mean, I thought personally that it, you know, besides our Broncos winning the Super Bowl, which is always going to be the best Super Bowl test, I thought this might be the the best, most entertaining Super Bowl of my time, at least. Yeah, it's it's hard to, uh, I guess, last year going into overtime, but that one was just. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, right, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Carl, but I was going to say, yeah, that, that one was a little different to me because you saw a team. And you saw the the Patriots come back, obviously, but you know you you kind of saw a, a good half of football, and then you know another team play a poor half of football, and vice versa when the teams switched. And this one had that little different feeling to it, where both teams played so well, you know, in the Super Bowl, at least on the offensive side of the ball. There were some defensive concerns there, but <laughs> yeah, it's it was is one of my favorites to watch, and just had lots and lots of storylines going into it. And I just love the the underdog always coming out on top, especially over the the evil empire of the Patriots, seeing them go down. And did you just see the the recent information just came out about 10 minutes before we started this podcast that Josh McDaniels is no longer going to the Colts? I did see that. I did see that. That just fits well with their evil empire. (laughs) Exactly. It makes you wonder if that's the way it was planned all along, right? 
<laughs> I, I just keep thinking Josh McDaniels came to the Broncos to try to destroy them because you know what? Belichick was I'm so he was so frustrated of getting beat by the Broncos all the time. Yep. Yep. And now to go destroy the Colts, who have been also one of their other big rivals. And <laughs> I don't know. It just yeah. it, I guess it shouldn't shock me with the Patriots. Yep, and I'm I'm just kind of sitting here wondering like what's Josh McDaniels, you know, like what's he looking for? Because, you know, he he was pretty young when he took the Denver job over. Um, you know, he went became the offense coordinator again, you know, what went and did that gig again with the Patriots, has a good good role there, but you know, he's been out of the game for a while as a head coach, and you would think the timing would be kind of right for him now. And I don't know if there's something, you know, internally where you know, maybe he's waiting for that Patriots job. Maybe Belichick's, you know, kind of coming to an end there. It really makes you wonder, though, what what's kind of going on there, why he hasn't been taking a, a head coaching job in recent years. I, I would agree. I'm sure something was said to him, something was promised to him of, hey, this job's going to open up in the next year or two. We really want you to be the guy. We're gonna, I, I heard that he got a sizable raise to stay with the Patriots. So I'm sure that helped that makes helped a little bit. But I, I just – yeah. part of me sits here and goes, I don't think the Patriots' job is going to be that great here in a couple of years once Belichick's gone, once Brady's gone. I mean, th- those have yeah. been the, the two pillars that have done what they've done. Everything else yep. has changed I, over time, but those two. Yep. And, I, and As I said, I, I definitely agree. I think you you know, you know kind of hit the, the nail in the coffin there with once you know this era is done – I mean, yeah, if, if you land that, you know, franchise quarterback, anybody can quickly turn that, you know, franchise back around or whatever. But, you know, with, with Garoppolo, you know, getting traded this year, I also think you committed to, to Brady. I mean, I would think for a couple more years here. But I just – I mean, I'm just a little confused at the future of the Patriots right now. You know, what's going to happen when Brady and Belichick are gone? Who's going to you know, who's gonna be there after them? Um, I would think, you know, a Colts job, you know, with, with Andrew Luck. Now, we're not 100% sure on his health, but it's it's got to be appealing to Josh McDaniels, you know, with, with Andrew Luck there. And, you know, the Patriots don't have Garoppolo as a backup quarterback now to really lean on when Brady's gone. So I'm with you on, on the, you know, in terms of New England, you know, it may be a little difficult for them when Belichick and Brady are gone. I don't know exactly what's going to be there, you know, for a head coach to work with. Right. And at least right now, I mean, I, I know a year or two down the road, I, I'm a cap guy. I love looking at the cap, seeing what a team can do to, to build a roster. And we're going to get into that more with the Broncos here in just a second. But cap wise, Patriots aren't really looking that great. But then again, they might be losing, like you said, Brady off the, the cap. Gronk is already starting to talk some retirement talk, which I, I don't think he will. But he has been beat up quite a bit throughout his career. So there's some things there that just make you go, that job could go from best to worst very quickly. Yep. And it seems like the defense is really kind of dicey there. You know, every year they kind of plug some guys in that play well, but it's been kind of an up and down defense. They don't have a whole lot of, you know, youth there that that would make you think that, you know, they can kind of turn into some kind of defensive team or some kind of fallback plan, you know, and what Denver did when Peyton Manning kind of struggled a little bit. So, I mean, it's New England, and they got this little dynasty going. But you know, if I'm a new coach, I'm not sure it's an extremely appealing job once once Tom Brady's gone. So, right, yeah, and like you said, Andrew Luck, that sounds very, very appealing to me. Even yes. if it, there is some questions about his his injuries, it's kind of like Peyton when he hit the market. Everybody's kind of questioning whether his shoulder could hold up, but you're still sitting there saying, "This is Peyton Manning." 
And Andrew Luck, yep. he still has that fire in him. He's still, when healthy, that top five, top seven quarterback. And you can surround him with talent. You got a top three pick this year. There's just a lot of things there that show some some decent promise. Yes, absolutely agree. And, and I'm not sure you're the cap guy. Do they have a lot of cap money going forward? I think they did. I don't think I they think have they a lot did. of big contracts because uh, they just don't have any talent, hardly. Uh, oh, third yeah. third most cap space, $77 million. That's got to be appealing to me. I, I would be. Like you said, Andrew Luck coming back, top three pick, $77 million. All very good things, but I guess McDaniels, he made his choice. He'll have to, to live with it. Yeah, I think there's definitely something inside there that made him pull away from that job. So it's it really makes you wonder if something New England has told McDaniels is, is you know, he's kind of going to wait off a year or so. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the Brady and Belichick era being over. So if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. I, I'm ready for it. It just – it gets tiring – Every year, the Patriots being that top team, making the championship game. I just, I would love to see some different teams get in. Uh, it was nice to see Jacksonville there since they haven't, I can't remember the last time they were there. Yeah, it's been forever. Yeah. So uh, it was nice to see them get into that spot. It was nice to see even Philly get their first Super Bowl, Minnesota making it there. It's just nice to see different teams. Uh, yeah. You get tired, and and even, uh, and I shouldn't say that because the Broncos have been one of those teams that have been very consistent. You've had the Broncos, the Steelers, the Patriots; those have been yep. the three teams in the AFC. So I yep. guess I shouldn't be saying let's change it up because <laughs> I'd love to see the Broncos back there. But it's just they, I, they've done it differently than the other two teams. Yes, and I don't think the Eagles are going away anytime soon. I think, I mean, I was happy to see them win it this year, but I think they're going to be a team that sooner or later. They're going to be that team where, where fans like us maybe get a little tired of them winning too um, with Carson yeah. Wentz there. I, I like Carson Wentz, though. He's he's a likable guy. So I agree. I, I'm yeah. excited for them to, to see what they can do over the, the next few years. And I, I, I've i been laughing all day because people have been slobbering all over Nick Foles. And I've even seen some people <laughs> going, oh, I think they'll trade Carson Wentz now that Nick Foles is their Super Bowl MVP. Yes, no. I've heard that. I've been at work when people are saying that, you know, maybe – Maybe you keep Foles and trade Wentz. I would say that's absolutely not even a, a debate for the Eagles organization right now. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, you got an MVP caliber quarterback. We're, we're not talking yeah. just top 10. We're talking like top quarterback in the NFL possibly. Yes. You, you don't trade that away. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I mean, second-year player, I mean, he, he took, you know, for just his second year. I mean, he looked good as a rookie, but he he'd kind of – you know, faded out a little bit his rookie year, and he put together a complete season this year. And um, you can definitely tell he's going to be that next big quarterback. You know, um, when you think about it, you look at the elite quarterbacks in the league, and a lot of those guys are older now. You know, Brady, Breeze, Rogers, Roethlisberger. So you're kind of looking for that next wave of of young quarterbacks coming in the league to kind of take over the NFL as that face at the quarterback position. And I would say Carson Wentz is definitely looking to be that guy along with, you know, Andrew Luck if he stays healthy. So, right. Yeah. That's, that's just, it is. I think you're just seeing that retirement of a lot of these top quarterbacks, these guys that have been in the top five for the last 10, 15 years. And yep. there's just that next wave. And so there, there's a, a void that's there that there, there's a chance for some teams to really take over and, and be that next group. And, and yep. so on that note, 
let's look at maybe how the Broncos can can become that type of team. And so this is this is my ideal offseason. And I just wanted to kind of get some of your thoughts on on what you think of, of these players and thoughts on cuts, uh, players in free agency, all that kind of stuff. And, and just see if you maybe kind of agree or disagree. I, that's fine to, to disagree because that's going to be a big part of this. Everybody's going to disagree. We just did a, a series on the mile high huddle of the four quarterbacks that we kind of think the Broncos are most likely targeting. And you have obviously Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen and Kirk cousins. And each of us kind of presented the case for, for all four of them. And all four of us actually agree with the the one that we were supporting. None of us agree on who's the top guy for the Broncos to go after. And so it's just one of those crazy off seasons. There's so many directions the Broncos could go and call it their ideal off season. But I thought we'd start here with looking at, you always have to start with the cuts and the trades. And, and I, I'm going to say, I want to try to trade these players obviously first, but if I can't get them traded, these are players that I'm willing to cut. And so let me give a few names out there and just see what you think. Emmanuel Sanders. Right. Yeah. You agree I, with that one? Yeah, I think Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, I have been a huge Emmanuel Sanders fan for years. I actually, he's a player that um, coming into his uh, rookie season with Pittsburgh, I knew Emmanuel Sanders well, had him on a, a draft um, interview on a radio show. Um, so I was ecstatic when we drafted him. But, you know, I, I think it's probably to that point where, you know, the receiver position has a lot of money involved. And to me, Emmanuel Sanders is probably the guy out there. So I, w- I would agree with you, Carl, on Emmanuel Sanders is probably not going to be a Bronco next year. It's just hard when you have two quarter, two wide receivers making pretty good money. That, that's a lot of money to put out a position that's very quarterback dependent. And when you don't have a quarterback, you just can't be paying those guys that kind of money. So, and, and they're both what 30, 31 now. Yep. They're, they're, they're at least reaching their thirties. Um, another thing I'll say about Emmanuel Sanders is I can remember when he first became a restricted free agent, he signed an offer sheet with the Patriots. Um, you know, he thought that was a dream to play with Tom Brady, the Steelers matched. And the next year he signed with us because it was a dream to play with Peyton Manning. So I think Emmanuel is really looking to play with a, a bona fide proven quarterback. And we may have that next year. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Um, but I, I think deep down my gut tells me that Emmanuel Sanders is it's kind of going to be a mutual thing here with with his frustrations for the lack of the offense the last couple of years. I think he's a little bit impatient. So um, great player, but I think, you know, it, it may be time for him to, to move on from Denver. So, right. Right. And it, it, it's, it's hard. It's, I kind of understand a little bit. You've gone from Ben Roth- Roethlisberger to Peyton Manning to now Trevor Simeon. <laughs> yes. It's yep, a pretty I, big drop off. Absolutely. But yeah. I, I appreciate what he's done here. He has been one of the hardest workers from what I've seen. Guy that just always going hundred miles an hour and helped bring us a Super yeah. Bowl. So I, I can't say anything bad about the guy, but it, it is. I think it's just time to separate the two of us. Yep, and he he's always I'll always remember him for being a clutch player. You know, hardly saw him drop a pass. I know when um he came over from the Steelers and I was excited. Steeler fans always told me enjoy his drop passes, uh bouncing off his shoulder pads. And I just I didn't see him drop many passes here. I mean, everybody drops a few, but he was fairly consistent with his hands. People gotta remember he led our team in receiving yards and catches during the Super Bowl. So he's had some huge, huge catches for us. 
I'll never forget the Chiefs game on Thursday night where Bradley Roby scooped up the fumble to win the game. Emmanuel Sanders was, you know, he's the reason why we were ever in that game in the first place. And I will definitely cherish every moment I have with Emmanuel Sanders and I will be rooting for him wherever he goes. But, you know, I, I think the time's probably, probably over in Denver. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the next name. Menelik Watson. I think that's one of the most obvious cuts for the Broncos this year. A no brainer to me. <laughs> yeah. So we, we can move on from that one. CJ Anderson. Yeah. CJ Anderson. This is a tough one. Um, you know, I, I, I thought all year that this was probably his last year in Denver. I mean, he had a thousand yard rushing season. There weren't many, I think, what was there? Seven, eight guys. Something like that. For a thousand yards this year. But yeah, I mean, the, the Miami Dolphins, if you and I have, have talked about in the past, have always covered him with Adam Gaze. Um, you know, we got some, you know, we got Devontae Booker and D'Angelo Henderson after him. I think you and I both expect a running back to be drafted. Um, but I, I'm going to say C.J. Anderson's out. I'm going to agree with you. I think we're going to get something for him from, you know, my best guess is Miami. But I think he is he's done as a Denver Bronco. Yeah. It, it, again, another guy. I loved his Super Bowl performance. He was he was the offense that that day for as little offense as we had. So again, great memories with him, but it just cap price. He's what four point five million dollars, and there's no dead money if we cut him. And yeah. running backs just one of those positions you're just looking to get younger and cheaper. Yep, and, and I, I, you know I think when we re-signed uh, when we matched the offer sheet the Dolphins gave to C.J. Anderson, I think you know looking at that contract, we kind of figured that C.J. Anderson it may be more of a two-year contract for us with him the way it was set up. Right. And that's what I always have to laugh when people look at the total money of a contract and say, oh, my gosh, how could you pay a guy that much? No, you got to look at the the guaranteed money. You got to look yep. at what, what what's going to happen after two years, because usually that's two, three years is all you're really looking at, at a contract at unless yep. they're just and outplaying their contract. Exactly. And Denver, I mean, well, Miami, I mean, they offered him the contract Denver match. But it- your story, it lives in River City where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small-town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave, and here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It was set up pretty well where, you know, you those two years you get them, you know, you're paying a little bit of that money, but at the same time, you know, if if you need to down the line with that contract, you know, it's something that's going to be easy to give up. So, I mean, you know, the way – I mean, I, I want to say, wasn't he paid like a, the fifth um, top running back? When I, they, I think you're right. Out? But I think those first two years were a yeah. lot lower than that. <laughs> yep. So – Really, the way the contract was set up was was pretty good for our part of of matching that offer. 
for Miami. I remember when we offered him the contract, nobody thought we would match because of, as you were talking about, all the money involved. But when you look at, you know, the way it's set up, you know, two years is, is you know, if he blows up in those two years, we keep him. He's, he's an elite running back, then, you know, we have him. But um, unfortunately with our cap issues, you know, we just, we can't afford CJ now. So. Right. And, and this is a pretty good running back draft. So again, when you can get younger and cheaper, you you just usually go that direction. It's the the name of the game in the NFL. All right. Well, moving on, we have uh, Trevor Simeon. Uh, You know how I feel about Trevor, Trevor Simeon, Carl. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a little harder than I want it to be though, because with the, you know, Brock Osweiler is a free agent. I thought Brock played probably the best of the three quarterbacks this year, but you got Paxton Lynch under contract. I, just, I think you got to keep Paxton. You got to part ways with, with Simeon and Osweiler. I think you got to bring in, you know, obviously we have Chad Kelly, who I like. And then depending on, you know, if we sign Kirk Cousins, we really don't need to draft a quarterback. If we, if we don't, Sign Kirk Cousins, we're probably going to go the vet route and, and draft a quarterback early. So I just don't think the room here is for Trevor. I think his days um, with Denver are over. He just doesn't make a lot of sense to me to bring in um, because essentially if you're keeping him, you know, you're drafting a running back early. But um, if you draft a quarterback early, as I was saying, you know, I think you got to go out and get a vet that can start, you know, at least over the rookie quarterback, which means Trevor Simeon, you know, you don't have room for him. And if you don't draft a quarterback early, you know, you're, you're going to go all in on Kirk Cousins. And if that's the case, you don't need Trevor Simeon. So in my in my mindset, Trevor Simeon's gone, Carl. Yep. And, and plus, he just got that nice little bonus that yes. if the Broncos cut him, they, they save a little bit of money. I think $1.9 million. So th- there's actually some cap understanding for why the Broncos would cut him. Or trade yeah. him. I've heard that there are some teams actually interested because he's a guy with 20 starts. He's yes. and had my question, you call decent him, moments. What, what do you think you get for Simeon in a trade? Uh, I would say fifth or later. I agree with you. Yep. You're yeah. going to – there, there's value because he is a quarterback. Yep. So yeah. it's one of those and – he's, and he's not expensive. I mean, like I said, you're cutting him at $1.9 million, but in quarterback terms, that's still pretty cheap. Yeah, I, th- I think you're definitely get some value out of him and, and some um, some team who's got a quarterback that may have a little uncertainty that needs someone to, s- to sit there and push him, you know, maybe a young quarterback, you know, where he can come in and push the young quarterback. You know, any time in the NFL, no matter, you know, how good, how good you do, if you have starting experience, you know, that's always a luxury at the very least as a backup, you know, to fall back on. So Simeon, you know, a lot of people are down on him. They think he's terrible. And, you know, I've never been a big Simeon fan. But if you're a if you're an NFL franchise, I mean, Trevor Simeon's really, you know, a perfect backup quarterback type that, you know, can start if needed. You know, he can be a stopgap quarterback for you because, you know, starting quarterbacks don't fall off the the apple tree. Anytime you have a, a guy who's got starting experience, that's, that's valuable to a team. Yeah, I, I had a guy today – pretty much say, well, the Broncos haven't haven't had a quarterback workout yet under Elway, so we might as well give up on trying to draft a quarterback. And I just, yeah. I'm sitting there shaking my head going, no, you keep trying because you've got to get that position right. Right. It's the one position you can't give up on, that's for sure. <laughs> and and it's one of those, 
it's honestly a little bit of, I mean, obviously you're doing your research to make sure you're trying to get the best information possible on a prospect and hope that this guy's going to work out. But it is, it's kind of hit and miss of, of who works out, who doesn't work out. Yep. There's just, every team has failed with quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. Every team's failed. And the one defense to LA is, you know, we've never, you know, if, if we go quarterback route at number five, we've never had the ability to draft a quarterback that early. We took Osweiler, you know, when we took Paxton Lynch, I know you were very high on him, but it was also a time when we had, what, Mark Sanchez on our roster. So, I mean, we were, we may not want to admit it, but we were pretty desperate to make something work, you know, in terms of drafting a quarterback that year. So um, we kind of right. had to, had to take what we had there. And, and if you, if you're drafting one at five, you know, you're going to have, definitely I don't want to say that he's going to turn out because we've seen plenty of top five quarterbacks bust, but, your chances, you know, are going to be much better. You're, you know, with who you're working with, the tools you're working with, you know, Paxton had great tools, but he, you know, he had a lot of developing to go. You're going to get a guy that's, you know, maybe a little bit more, you know, developed coming into the NFL. So um, definitely can't give up on drafting a quarterback. Right. That, yeah. That's, that's, that's the, the main point here. Uh, that you, if you get that rookie quarterback, especially that first one where you get the fifth round option or fifth, fifth year option sorry oh my goodness you have a five-year four-year window for the super bowl just like philadelphia right now that's what they've got because carson wentz is on that rookie contract and he's just just out there just balling so uh yeah i i wouldn't give up on that and but we better keep moving on here as we got a lot of off season to go here and so with all these cuts trades whatever you want to call them uh, I did leave off one guy that I know a lot of people have really pretty much said that is gone. I, I keep to leave. I kept him. You know, I'm, I've been a big advocate for keeping a keep to leave. I understand his, his contract, but I think it's hard to get rid of an all pro cornerback and Tlaib is still, you know, some people think he slipped a little bit. Maybe he has a little bit, but you know, when you have an all pro quarterback like Tlaib, I, I just have a hard time getting rid of him and I'm with you. I, I, I want to keep him around here. Oh, I think it's hard. And also I view that 2014 off season where the Broncos were able to get Ware, Ward and Tlaib that changed everything for our defense. They brought this attitude, this, this fire to the defense that just wasn't there the year before. And yes, yes exactly. Ward and Ware are both gone. So it leaves Tlaib. He is that emotional leader on that defense. Now, yes, that can be a negative too, because he, when he negatively gets down, I think it does show up on the field. You see him have some decisions where I think he's trying to do too much on the field. I think he's trying to guess something and make a play that's not really there, and he gets caught out of position. Yep. But but he's just that emotional guy that everybody else feeds off of. You can see the players respond when he gets in there and gets into a fight with some player because they did something wrong. I know some people say that's dirty and all those kind of things, but he just he loves his team. He loves his teammates, and – that the shows on the field, and so they amp up their game too. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, and I, I think a lot of people miss, you know, when they talk about Akib Tlaib, you know, he's got some off-field issues. It's easy to find that as a distraction or claim he's a distraction. But I think what people miss on Akib Tlaib is the fact that he is he is so well respected by his teammates. You know, his teammates love him. Peyton Manning loved him when he was here. When when Harry Douglas took the cheap shot on Chris Harris's knee and. And Tlaib went after went after Harry Douglas. I mean, to me, I don't have a problem with that. I think that you need 
a player like that on your team, you need somebody to a degree to be able to Sometimes it's kind of like the enforcer in hockey. I didn't like, you know, when he poked Dwayne Allen in the eye. You, you know, you got some of those kind of issues when he gave the the hard face mask to Philly Brown um, for the Carolina Panthers. You know, not a big fan of that. But you know, there there's certain things that you need, kind of an enforcer in hockey, and you know, your teammates respect it. Was not a big fan of when we got rid of T.J. Ward right before the season. I mean, I I somewhat understood it, but yet I didn't. I think that took a lot of fire out of the defense. And I think losing Tlaib, it's it's more than just a good player, you know, getting rid of Tlaib. So I, I really hope Akeem Tlaib is here. Maybe if we if we do some stuff in free agency, maybe he'll take a little bit of a pay cut. And if not, I hope we find a way to to keep him around here one more year. Right, right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm exactly there with you. That's why I left him in there. And I, I mean, I understand why he's, he could be gone. Like you said, that cap savings of $11 million sounds pretty good, especially if, if you're going after a big spending guy like like Kirk Cousins. But uh, we'll get into a little bit more of maybe why I was a little bit more willing to, to hold on to him for my offseason here. But with all these cuts I just mentioned, it would save the Broncos about $16.5 million in cap. And after all the cuts, it would give them about $43.3 million to work with. And, and so now moving on to the next section of, of the offseason, this is I, I know sometimes this can get a little dry. So we'll go through this a little bit quicker. But this is restricted free agency and exclusive rights free agency. Uh, so these are the guys like Matt Paradis and Shaq Barrett, where I'm putting a second round tender on both those guys. And I, I, here, here's my big question to you. If somebody comes and gives them an offer sheet at that second round tender, are you trying to match or are you letting them go and get in that second round pick? That that is a good question, Carl. That that's a tough question to me. You know, I I think that let's start with Paradis first. I mean, you you've got me kind of you got me thinking here, Carl. I'm, I, I, <laughs> I I almost feel like with I'm gonna start with Barrett. Let's go to Barrett. I almost say with Barrett, if you get that second round pick, you got to take it. You know, Barrett was a little older coming out. He applies a lot of pressure. I mean, I thought last year he was one of our more consistent pass rushers. You know, he may be our most underrated player on our team. And I know a lot of people may disagree because pass rushers are, are hard to find and they're so important. But but I, I think you take the second round the second round pick with Barrett. How do you feel about about Barrett and the I, I would take the second round tender. You're you're gonna lose him the next year. Yeah. You're already paying Von Miller so much money. You just can't pay Shaq Barrett that either. I feel like he is better being that rotational piece. Because he is that high energy, I want to go give everything on this on this play. And he just can't do that for 60, 70 plays a game. It just doesn't yeah, work. That, that's a good point. And, and that, you know, that really solidifies you know, your thought that for a guy who's not, you know, an, an every down player, I think you have to take the second round pick in that. Scenario. I mean, he did a lot for this team last year. I felt like when the pass rush was a little, you know, weaker this year than, than last year, Barrett kind of stepped up for them and there's some uncertainty at our pass rushing position right now you know he didn't Shane Ray I mean we didn't get a whole lot of him out of him last year you know obviously the injury he didn't look too good after the injury um, but I mean you can also you know you use that second round pick there's some pass rushers in this draft um, I don't think that somebody will offer us a second round pick for Barrett but I, I think you definitely got to take it and with Paradis I'm going to go ahead and take the second round pick on him too, Carl, just because you know he's he's had the hip injury. Great center, 
I feel like maybe his play has been a little bit down the last year, last two years. So I'm going to take the second round pick on him as well. How about you? I would too. I think he was a much better fit under Kubiak than he is with Joseph. I I think there might be some team out there that really looks at him with that zone blocking scheme and says, this guy is maybe that missing piece on the offensive line. Uh, At least I can hope so, because I I, I just like you, I I don't feel like he had the best year last year. And I wonder a little bit that year before, if it was maybe a little bit overrated just because he had zero talent around him. So those guys were getting beat so early that it made him look good. I know some people are sitting there looking at PFF and saying, oh, he's the number one rated center. No, I, I don't think he really was. You, you have to keep those grades in mind that they are they are subjective to the person that's watching. Yeah. And maybe I, I think there's a lot of times they don't always know what they're watching. There, there's a lot of things to like about PFF, pro football focus, but there's some things that I think are very questionable. And, and Paris, he was good, but he wasn't that good. He wasn't the number one center in football. And yeah, I, so, yeah, if you get that second round tender, you you take that and run. Yep. All right. Well, we'll go through these guys real quick of the of the ERFAs and Shelby Harris, Casey Creeder, Jordan Taylor, Zaire Anderson, Elijah Wilkinson. These are the guys that are really nice for those depth positions that special teams and they're on very, very cheap contracts, usually between about four hundred sixty thousand to sixty six hundred and fifteen thousand. So you get a bunch of players there for the back end of the roster locked in for about $3 million total for all those guys. And especially like guy like Shelby Harris, who just really came onto the scene, did great. Love it that he was a Raider and they let him go and he comes to the Broncos and actually plays pretty well. And then you have your guy, Zaire Anderson. Have you talked to him lately about what this next year is going to look like? I, I haven't spoke to him about the off season in general with his contract. I mean, I'm fully expecting him to be here. I don't think that, you know, he has, you know, just in talking to him, I don't think there's any plans that, you know, he's going to, he's going to part from Denver. I think, you know, obviously going to be a big year for him in terms of getting a contract after this year. You know, it's, it's kind of like one of those players that you're, you know, you're deciding, can this guy, can he start on another team? You know, or is he more of that that backup linebacker and special teams guy? And that's what'll be interesting when he does become an unrestricted free agent. Is is there somebody willing to you know give him a shot at a starting position? So I've yeah I, I'm Zaire Anderson. I'm fully expect back here. Going back to uh, Shelby Harris, I think Shelby Harris is a bargain for us. The way he played this year, um, he had the he had the huge preseason, and you know you always kind of wonder. You know, is that just, you know, we see a lot of guys have, have big preseasons and don't do a lot in the regular season. And Shelby Harris definitely continued that play throughout the season. And I actually thought Shelby Harris got better and better as the season went on. And that exclusive rights free agent, that's a bargain contract, if you ask me, and, and you know, expect him to get, hopefully build off that and get a bigger contract the following year. And then Casey Kreider has been a no fault long snapper for us, very dependable. He's also an Iowa guy, so Nick and I are big Casey Kreider fans. <laughs> and then I feel like Jordan Taylor does a lot for you. You know, he, he to me, he's never going to be a star player, but he's always going to be a good role player, good teammate. He came in and returned punts for us this year when we had no punt returner, you know, when Isaiah McKenzie was struggling. And then Elijah Wilkinson, I, th- I think the coaching staff's pretty high on Elijah Wilkinson. I hear Bill Musgrave likes him quite a bit. 
So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what he does. I mean, we're, as you know, you know, we need somebody to step up at offensive tackle. So Wilkinson, I mean, I'm expecting a free agent in there, but he's, he's also got a good opportunity this off season to better himself. And, and maybe his name will come up in, in some kind of, you know, talk with a, with a bigger role this year. So, yeah, I heard the same thing. There was a couple times I thought they were actually going to start him at right tackle because of just how much they were liking what he was doing in practice. And, I even heard that he was one of the few guys that could actually contain Von Miller. Not every time, but <laughs> compared to the other guys, he was actually doing decent against Von Miller. Yeah. So anytime you maybe, can contain yeah. Von Miller, you got something good going for you. Right. Exactly. That's that's the the standard. That, that's the top standard. That's that's what you're looking for there. But anyway, after all these guys, uh, I would have the cap around thirty four point seven million dollars. And then we get to the to the draft of how much that's going to cost. That's going to be about $11 million. Broncos have the second most expensive draft class in football this year, only behind the Browns. That, that's, that's a good thing. And the fact that that means they have a lot of picks in the top three rounds, the most expensive picks, obviously, but also just means that they have to make sure that they're setting aside enough money for the draft. And, and so this is, this is something I always tell Bronco fans when we're looking at offseason, you have to realize just because somebody says at the beginning, oh, after these cuts, we have 47 or $43 million. Well, that doesn't mean the Broncos can go spend that entire $43 million in free agency. It's not that simple. They got a lot of other expenses that they got to worry about. And so after all this, the draft, the uh, free agency, um, or not free agency, after cuts and everything else, this is what I have the Broncos at heading into free agency. $20 million. This is the, the safe zone that you have $20 million to spend. And I think people are going to hear that and be a little bit shocked going, oh, we don't have as much to spend as I thought. And, and that's maybe where the whole Aqib Tlaib being cut thing really comes into play because you, you need a little bit more cap space. But I guess here's my next big question to you then, because we're, we're talking about free agency. Where do you sit on the whole signing Kirk Cousins thing? You know, I'm I'm definitely a Kirk Cousins fan, and I'm definitely expecting and hoping that Denver goes after him. I also want them to be smart about it. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to put a figure on Kirk Cousins. You know, I mean, I'm with our when you when you say we have twenty million dollars to spend, I'm thinking Kirk Cousins. You know, is going to be in that what twenty five range. Right. That seems too high, but. I hate to say if the price is right, go after him because he's a franchise quarterback. But I just I think you got to be careful with him. I'm, I want him here. Um, I want an experienced, proven quarterback here. You know, you don't see a, a quarterback like Kirk Cousins reach free agency often. So I think you got to take advantage of that. You know, it's kind of when Peyton Manning um, became, you know, available to us. It just it doesn't happen much. So I mean we're kind of lucky in, in the ter- the terms that, you know, when Peyton Manning was available, we had the, we had the need at quarterback. I feel like that's the same thing with Kirk cousins. So you've got to explore that option, but I think you got to definitely be careful with it. Um, I mean, bringing Kirk cousins is going to attract, you know, some possible bargain deals at the same time. Um, but, you know, you don't want to get caught up into a, a huge contract where you're, you know, you're, you're struggling at the other positions so to me, it kind of depends on how how you evaluate the draft at the quarterback position as a franchise, how high you want to go with Cousins. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I've said on here many times that I like Kirk Cousins. I'm not in love with Kirk Cousins and the fact that I, I don't view him as that really top five quarterback. 
that you can bring him in and you can have not the greatest talent around him and he just brings their game to a whole new level. I mean, Peyton Manning, he came to the Broncos when I, I know that they had gone eight and eight and won the division, but they weren't exactly a great team at that point. They were still missing some pieces, but Peyton Manning really helped to mask a lot of the issues that the team had. I look at the offensive line. Everybody kind of says, oh, the offensive line really fell off the last two years. Well, I think a big part of it is, is just the quarterback play. You got a quarterback that's holding on to the ball half second longer than what Peyton was. Yep. And that, that makes a huge difference on how well your offensive line looks. So th- there's things like that, that that really play into it. And I'm kind of with you, and you just can't get into this bidding war. You're already paying Von Miller. You don't want to be paying a quarter of your, your cap just to two players. It becomes very, very difficult to build a championship caliber team. I look at look at the Philadelphia Eagles this last year. They are a great example. Their top quarterback goes down. Well, they can still go out and win because they have a great offensive line. They have a great defensive line. They have some playmakers that can go and, and do some things with the football uh, on their own. You know, just get the the ball into their hands. Let them go do something. And a quarterback that did. I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from Nick Foles. He had a great playoffs. I I commend the guy for for what he did, especially in the Super Bowl. That's that was a gutsy performance to go out there and and do some of the aggressive throws that he did, and 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 to beat the Patriots. That's just impressive. But anyway, they had more talent on the team than just Carson Wentz. If Kirk Cousins comes here, how much more talent can we really surround him with? And I just think that there's other teams that can offer him more, like the Browns, the Jets, even the Vikings. They can offer him a lot more, and they're looking for a quarterback if they don't take one of their three guys. And I think they have a little bit more talent than what the Broncos have, obviously, since they were a playoff caliber team. But I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm one of those about $25 million is my very top end. And even there, I'm kind of sitting there saying, Kirk, please take a little bit of a discount to help this team out to make sure that you can be surrounded by talent. Because I, I think that's big for a quarterback. You want to have talent around you too. But I, I just, I, I'm more leaning towards the draft. Honestly, that that's more my direction that I, if I'm looking at my ideal off season, I would rather spend that money to surround a rookie quarterback with more talent. And so that brings us to, to free agency. And here's the guys that I'm kind of looking at. When, when I look at that $20 million, this is, these are guys that I'd love to spend this money on. And the first one, you and I kind of talked about just a little bit earlier today, and Trey Burton, the Eagles tight end. He, he was their backup tight end, but he was a big-time playmaker. If you, if you noticed in the Super Bowl, he actually had a touchdown pass as a tight end. He was the one that threw the pass to, to Nick Foles, and he is a very, very athletic piece something the Broncos haven't had at tight end since Julius Thomas left. That guy that can destroy the seam and and make teams have to respect the middle of the field. Yeah. And, you know, Trey Burton, I think, I mean, you think about the Eagles tight end situation, you got Zach Ertz, you got Brent Selleck. You know, he, he's a little bit lost in the shuffle there, but they do have a role for him. Just, I mean, athletically gifted, you know, great weapon, gets open well. He actually – he actually played quarterback his freshman year at Florida, um, was recruited as a quarterback. Um, many may remember him. He had a, his freshman year against Kentucky. He had six rushing touchdowns, tying a record. And then he kind of moved around from, from fullback, tight end, kind of like an H-back role with Florida, got some snaps at quarterback. 
So he, he's still kind of learning that tight end position when he came to the Eagles as an undrafted free agent. And I think he's he's now kind of taking off with it, but he needs you know a little bit more of a role than he has on Philadelphia to really take off of that with his talent level at that position. So I think Trey Burton is a, is a guy that would be a great fit for this team. Um, you know, we, we've had very little tight end production. I mean, I feel like some games we had one catch out of our tight end. You know, we've had tight ends on and off the practice squad. You know, it's, it's a decent tight end draft, um, but I think it's a position that I really want to focus on in free agency if we can, if we can get a guy like Trey Burton um, at a decent price to me. And I think, you know, I think Trey Burton would be a great, great opportunity for him, great situation for him. And to me, he makes a lot of sense as a Denver. Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner for bronco yeah no i'm like i said that's one of my top guys for the broncos to target you got to get some more weapons you, you just saw it with the eagles where they just had weapon after weapon on the field and somebody was getting open in a hurry and it's just a matter of did the quarterback find them in time and right now the broncos are very very void of playmakers now i do think i, I don't think dt is washed up as much as some people are out there saying I think he's still out there. I think he's still a playmaker for the Broncos. Maybe not 100%. what he was five years ago, but yep. he's still a playmaker. I think Carlos Henderson, if he's healthy and has the offense down, he was an absolute freak in college. Yep. He was amazing. I, I loved I loved that pick. He wasn't a great fit with, with McCoy and that complicated offense, but maybe with Musgraves, a little bit more simpler of an offense, you can really take advantage of his athleticism. So then you add a guy like Trey Burton, that's three weapons that you've now got on the offense that can possibly go make some big plays for you. Yeah, and, and the thing I like about Trey Burton is just his versatility. You know, his, I mean, you don't see many tight ends with the athletic ability that Trey Burton has. I have this hunch that Trey Burton is, is wherever he ends up, hopefully it's our Broncos, we'd both love that. I just have a feeling that he's going to be that, that next, I don't want to say big tight end um, in terms of, putting the expectations on him, but he, he actually reminds me a little bit of Jordan Reed of the Redskins. Jordan Reed actually came to Florida Gators as a quarterback as well. So it took him a little bit to learn that tight end position and athletically, you know, you find a lot of tight ends that are, are pretty raw coming out, takes them a little bit to, to get their game down, but he's got that perfect tight end frame and the athletic ability is athletic ability is just out of the roof with Trey Burton. Right. Um, so quick, quick challenge for you. What other sure. position other than fullback, tight end, running back has Trey Burton played in the NFL? Other than, uh, 
That's a good question. You said tight end, running back, quarterback, wide receiver, those ones you listed? Yeah. Uh, fullback, too. Fullback, too. Yep. Man, I don't think he played on the defensive side of the ball, has he? No. He uh, he took a snap as a long snapper. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would have never guessed that. I was yeah. I, I knew it wasn't on the offensive line, so the only thing I could think of was defense. Yep. No, he their long snapper got injured in the game. And they were down 21 to 19 to the Washington Redskins. And the coach was having to decide whether they could even try a field goal because they didn't have a long snapper. And so Trey Burton went on the sideline, practiced long snapping real quick, and they felt comfortable enough to send him out there. And he snapped the the game-winning field goal snap. It wasn't Very pretty. Nice. It was actually a high snap, but <laughs> but it worked. It was good enough. <laughs> I did not know that. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, so he's one of those guys. He just does whatever you need him to do. It's kind of like Ocho Cinco kicking the extra point for the Bengals. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but here's my next guy. And and this could maybe be the the big signing. And I know a lot of people are going to be after this guy. Andrew Norwell, the guard from Carolina. Most people believe he's a top five guard in the NFL. And I know some people are going to sit here and say, you can't pay two guards top money. But this kind of goes into I think the offensive line, especially offensive tackle group in the draft is is deep. And so maybe I go find my right tackle in the in the draft. And so then really your your guys that are being paid are your left guard, right guard, and the rest of the guys are on pretty cheap contracts. And so it's not a whole lot it's not huge money being at the offensive line. It's just a matter of it's mostly geared towards the guard position. And again, this is a guy that's a great run blocker. He's a great pass blocker. And if I'm getting a rookie quarterback, I'm wanting to make sure that offensive line is very, very secured. So he's a guy that I'd go after. I think he's probably going to price himself out of Denver, though. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's probably going to be a little bit out of our, our price range now. If we don't get you know somebody like Cousins, we may have a little bit better option at Norwell. But I like the the um, comment you mentioned about the tackle position. You know, you look at the free agency, and I haven't probably studied – you know, who's out there in free agency at the tackle position as well as you. But I feel like you know, there's not a whole lot available out there right now. You got you know, Nate Soldier, and, and that's about it. That's about it, yeah. Um, so, I, mean, I, th- I think, you know, that being said, and, you know, you, you're looking for a right tackle, you're, you're looking for another guard. You know, Max Garcia really has struggled kind of up and down. Um, you got to solidify that offensive line. So, I think Norwell is definitely a guy that you – you know, you got to be careful what you pay him. You know, if it gets too high, you got to, you know, you you definitely can't can't get into bidding war with him either. But if the price is right, Norwell makes a lot of sense for Denver, no doubt about it. Yeah. Now, there, there's a couple other guards I really like. Josh Klein is one from Tennessee. He's a very good pass like blocker. Justin Pugh, he's another one that that I wouldn't mind. But Justin Pugh, that that's an interesting name you brought up. I, that makes me feel kind of old thinking him as already a free agent. Yeah, I, I want to say, didn't Justin Pugh, didn't he start off in the league as a tackle? He did, and then he moved to guard, and then this last year, because of injuries, they ended up having to move him back to, to tackle. Back. Yeah, And that's he, what I he did struggle some, but at least you know he has that versatility if you yeah, absolutely need I, him to. Yeah, which which could be huge for us. I mean, you know, we had to we had to stick Alan Barbary at right tackle last year. That was that was a disaster. I'd rather keep Pew at guard, but I mean, if you had to stick him at tackle, you know, it's something that, you know, a little bit of a stopgap there that, you know, you can depend on him. 
we did a lot of shuffling last year. So if we can get some versatility on the offensive line, you know, definitely don't object to that. Yeah. The, the guy I was thinking from, from the Colts was Jack Muhort. He's okay. been injured yep. a lot, but maybe for that really if, – if you miss out on all the other guys, that cheap option that could maybe really pan out well. I know Bronco fans might be sitting here saying, we just had that with, with Malik Benelik Watson, and it did not work out well. So yeah. I, I could see some – some reasons for not going after him, but he's kind of my like option D or E. Kind of or, a yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a fallback option. And I don't think we have to pay him, you know, a whole lot. I, I, I mean, what would you expect a guy like him to get in free agency? Maybe two, two and a half million tops. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a little cheap to me. It's kind of a, a little bit of a fallback, you know, option that if, as long as you don't overpay him, I don't have a problem with, with signing a guy like that, you know, especially if it's on a a shorter contract, you know, sometimes those are the, those are the chances you have to take sometimes in the NFL. It didn't work with Watson, obviously, but you know, I, Josh Klein, the other guy you mentioned that that's really the guy that I like to see us go after. Just, you know, you, I know you have him down here, possibility of a two year, $8 million deal. Yeah. Um, which I think would be a pretty fair deal for us, you know, and, and that's that's really the guy, Josh Klein, that I would I like to see a squad. Right? Of course, Norwell would be great, but you know, if, if the money gets too high, then you know, I'm I'm kind of not expecting him. But Josh Klein's a guy that I think would be a great fit for Denver, great pass blocker. You know, you bring in a guy like Cousins or you bring in a young quarterback, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna need a guy like that. You know, Garcia, you know, I, I love him as a backup, but he just he's had two years as a starter now, and he just consistently can't get it done. And we we just need to do a little better there. And that he's still that's one of my bigger disappointments because his rookie year showed such promise. Yep. I, I don't know what happened to him after that, but just like he, he lost was all confidence. Yeah, I, I thought Garcia was a steal for us. I mean, strong guy. You know, played center at Florida. He had transferred from Maryland to Florida. Agents, scouts talked great about him, you know, work ethic, his personality, you know, character. But I think you just, you've got to fill that position this year. You know, you've seen a lot of Garcia. I think ideally he would be a terrific guy to have as a reserve guy. So I I, I think you've got to focus on the guard spot in free agency, though. I just, I, there's, you know, if you want to take a guy like Hernandez in the draft, you know, I'm, I'm very high on him, but, you know, Picking at five, you know, he's not going to be there in the second. If you take a quarterback at five, you've got to fill the offensive line, you know, at least one of those offensive line positions in the in the free agency period. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's that's where I'm at too. And like I said, if, if I'm not spending big on Cousins, then I want to spend big on the offensive line. Went in yes. those trenches. And talking about, talking about trenches, this is another guy that I thought would be a nice cheap option just to add some depth to the team, and that is Aaron Lynch, especially if you lose Shaq Barrett. He's had some disciplinary issues, some off-field stuff going on. I thought maybe Von Miller would be a really good influence on this guy because he he had some promise early in his career that he's just let other things distract him from football. And so, again, this is kind of a cheap one-year prove-it kind of contract, maybe just to replace Shaq Barrett if he gets picked up by somebody. Because I, I do think... He has good value. If second round pick for Shaq Barrett, a starting pass rushing option that's actually pretty good. That's a pretty good deal. And I think maybe especially somebody at the end of the second round, maybe I hate to say this, but the Patriots, they need a pass rush. 
Yep. I, I can see them really going hard after that. But no, yeah. I, I just thought maybe Aaron Lynch would be a guy that would fit in well. Yeah, I, I think Aaron Lynch will, you know, and he won't be too pricey. I think he'll be he'll be productive here. You know, like you said, you have Vaughn Miller here. I think he's a guy that you put the right pieces around him and you will you allow him, you know, to do his strengths, which is rush the passer. I, I think he could be of of great value in Denver. All right. My final guy here. This is my my backup quarterback, Josh McCown. Just had a really good season with the Jets until he broke his hand. Wasn't it against the Broncos? Yes, it was against the Broncos. Yeah, and but I mean that should be healed up. He's just he's one of those quarterbacks that I think if a coach had ever really fully committed to him, would have been very happy to have done so. I, I think he's been underappreciated in the NFL. I'm not saying that he's a top ten quarterback, but I think he's in that next tier of guys or can be. And he's athletic. He's more athletic than people have ever given him credit for. And I just think he'd be a good guy. I think he knows his role in the NFL nowadays. He is more that yeah. either stopgap quarterback or that backup that really helps the rookie out. Yep. And I, I think that's the thing with McCown is he's been around several different teams, but he's he's very dependable. He's kind of the guy you bring in, you know, to to like you said, you know, you, he mentors a rookie. You know, a rookie takes over for him when they're ready to go. And he's he's definitely a good stopgap type of quarterback. You know, doesn't turn the ball over. Good leadership skills. You know, good good teammate. And I think he I think he played extremely well for the Jets this year. I, I expected the Jets to pick number one. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like they they did a lot with not not a whole lot of talent there. And I give a lot of credit, obviously, to the coaching staff, but Josh McCown as well. Right. I mean, you know, that's that's part of it too. Is he's been on terrible teams. He's been with the Browns. And he actually had them winning. He's been on the Jets. Like you said, I, I was with you. I didn't have him win a single game this year. Yeah. I thought they were one of the worst rosters I've ever seen in the NFL. And yet they go out and was, win five games. Yes. And and really, and I mean, Josh McCown getting hurt. I mean, they up until that, I mean, I don't want to, I hesitate to say they were playing, playing good, but they were playing better than we expected. And up till that Denver game where McCown, you know, broke his hand and then Bryce Petty, Came and I don't think they won a game after that, but that's kind of where they to the point where they weren't too competitive anymore. I mean, they they competed with the Patriots. They're up fourteen to nothing on the Patriots this year. Josh McCown was was in there. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of wide receivers to work with this year. Probably the one of the worst wide receiver cores. But you know, he had Robbie Anderson stepped up for him. You know, he really he really helped some of those young receivers. And I mean, I just think. Josh McCown, you know, I'm not looking at them signing McCown just because I'm I'm looking at either you're going Cousins or you're spending a little bit more money on a veteran on a two year deal with a with a rookie maybe. I feel like it's a pretty good. You know, there's there's good options if you don't go with Kirk Cousins and and you got McCown in here. I think that's you know definitely a fallback option if you got to go that route. And that's why I think you know you don't have to you don't have to go after Cousins if you don't have the money because it's it's not not a desperation thing here because you know we got you know three vikings quarterbacks free agents got mccown as a fallback you know obviously alex smith is no longer available but you do have options on there if you want to go with a one-year quarterback because you're drafting a guy at number five josh mccown is a good fit for you um, right taylor's another guy to look at you know i don't know what it's going to cost but that's another option right yeah no, and I, I thought about those guys i just i thought price wise they're obviously going to be a little bit more expensive than McCown. So I went with the cheaper sure, option, yeah. which 
yep. probably not the way you want to go at the quarterback position. Broncos have done that plenty, and it hasn't really yeah, done they, well for them. That's to say, it may keep Kaleeb around. That's true, right. And so I guess I'm going a little bit more all in on, on the rookie quarterback really panning out and just being able to surround him with more talent. Maybe this means you can actually go get Andrew Norwell, that you can go get that top guard yeah. instead of having to get that second, third, fourth kind of guy. Uh, but I, I don't know. That, that's just kind of kind of where I was going, just trying to be cap savvy here. But maybe I got a little too, too penny pincher on the, the quarterback position once again. But then that brings us here now to our draft. And I only went to the fifth round just because then you get to some names that probably most people haven't even heard of. Maybe even after the third round, most of these names have been heard of. But I'm going to start here with fifth overall pick. Obviously, I have put myself in a position where I have to go quarterback. And in this scenario, obviously, Browns and Giants both need quarterback. I've been told that they're going to go Darnold to the to the Browns, Rosen to the Giants. Those teams both love those quarterbacks. Just seems the way they're going to go. When I was at the Senior Bowl, this every person I talked to, this is what they said. So I think they're, where there's smoke, there's fire, probably going to be the way it goes. So then that leaves the third quarterback in the draft for the Broncos, and I went with Baker Mayfield. And I know you and I have kind of talked about him a little bit, and you're, you're kind of a little bit iffy on Mayfield, right? Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little iffy on Mayfield. I mean – I mean, you had a chance to see him at the Senior Bowl a little more up close and personal. I just, I really question his down down the field uh, decision making. And that, you know, I, I hate to hate on a player's size, but his height just, just the size of him bothers me for some reason at the quarterback position. I hate when people compare him to Johnny Manziel, though, and then I don't like when people compare him to Drew Brees because to me, he's he falls in the middle, and that's a huge gap between the two, obviously. Right, um, right. You're talking I, about a Hall of Fame quarterback and a guy that's. Is he playing in the Canadian League right now? I don't even think he's there yet. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so maybe look yeah. at the NFL. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, it's just and and the whole disciplinary thing. It's very different. Yeah. Yes. Manziel, yeah. he had time after time of something that he was doing. I mean, teams were warned from the very beginning. Coaches told them this guy loves to party. Baker yeah. Mayfield got caught once, got drunk, made some stupid decisions that one night. And he's corrected it. He hasn't had any yes. other issues. I, I've been told he's had roommates that have come up to him and said, hey, we're going to a big party. And he said, no, I'll just stay here and study or or play Madden, which I guess that could be giving some Broncos some PTSD with with Paxton Lynch. <laughs> and the stories of that he loves to play Madden more than he does regular football. Uh, so, But I think that's still a better choice. He's making a choice that he's not going to go out there and use his fame and uh, go to parties. I, I, I went to Manhattan Christian college. Most of you listeners know that, which is right across the street from K state. And I had Josh Freeman was at college when I was there and the stories I would hear about that guy and the, the partying and and the women and everything else that he was doing. And, uh, it just, it got pretty crazy. And I met the guy and he wasn't a great guy. I've met Mayfield. Mayfield's a really good guy. I got a chance to talk to him there at the senior bowl. He was a guy that uh, I just saw this story today. I didn't get to see this when I was there, but he stayed after when they had the fan, the fan day, I guess is what they, I don't know what they really call it, but the day that the players get to interact with the fans, the fans get to show up to a building and the players are all there. They sign autographs, take pictures, all that kind of stuff. Baker Mayfield was the last guy to leave. 
he wanted to make sure everybody that wanted a picture with him or an autograph that they got one. So again, he's just, he's a different guy than Manziel. And I, I did like him there. He changed my mind at the senior bowl. I was very impressed with his accuracy, with his decision-making. He made the quickest decisions. He had a very good velocity on his football. He had the athleticism to go make some plays. He just, the other big thing I, I know listeners have probably gotten tired of me just drooling over this kid, but just his leadership. It is so easy to see why people just gravitate to him. There's a lot of leadership stories out there. And just to see it live with brand new players that most of he's never played with, never met. And he steps on the field and every one of them just like gravitated right to where he was. They didn't do that with Josh Allen. They didn't do that with any of the other quarterbacks. But Baker Mayfield, every player wanted to be near him. So just something that really stuck out to me. And like I said, at this point, you're kind of stuck. I, I I hate to say that, but at the same time, I'm happy because I, I like all three of the top quarterbacks in this draft. I like Mayfield. I like Baker. Or I like Mayfield. I like Rosen. And I like Darnold. I could be happy with any of the three being the starting quarterback for the Broncos. Yeah, and I think you bring up an interesting point there with the leadership skills of Baker Mayfield because I think that a lot of people underestimate the importance of leadership at the quarterback position. I mean, we saw it with Peyton Manning. When Peyton Manning was not the normal Peyton Manning, he still had those unbelievable leadership skills that, quite frankly, I don't I don't think we win a Super Bowl without a leadership skills like you know a Peyton Manning that year. I mean, I, I've got my concerns with Baker Mayfield, but at the same time, you know, I think a lot of people that are down on him, they think it's immaturity. But we have to remember, too, you know, we, we were all in, in college and did dumb things. Um, I mean, these are still kids, you know, becoming men, um, still learning, learning through mistakes. You know, unfortunately for guys like Johnny Menzel, when you repeat it over and over and over, it's, it's when you learn from them and, and grow from them and, I don't think I'm as concerned about May- Baker Mayfield off the field as some people are. I think that I'm just very nervous in getting this pick right. Anytime you pick number five, especially if you go quarterback, um, and he does not have, you know, he doesn't have the ideal size that I look for. But at the same time, neither does Drew Brees. So part of me thinks, you know, if he can be closer to that aspect of Drew Brees than, you know, a, a busted, you know, s- shorter quarterback, then obviously I'd be all for it. But I just, I hesitate with with Baker Mayfield, but I do like what you have learned about him and what you've witnessed with him. And, you know, the stuff you share with me makes me feel better. I will say that I was very anti Baker Mayfield. And then after the Super Bowl or sorry, the Senior Bowl, you know, I've warmed up to him a little bit. He's still got a ways to go, Carl, but Baker Mayfield, he's he is I'm warming up to him. So we'll see <laughs> a couple of months. You know, a lot can change. So, um, yeah, the guy I really like is, is Josh Rosen. You know, you've heard the attitude issues, but I just the tools are exceptional there. I like Josh Allen's tools, but I just think at number five, you got to get it right. You know, you busted on Paxton Lynch, who had similar tools. I just I don't think you can afford to get this pick wrong. So if you go quarterback, I, I I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I, I would be happy with any of the three to a certain extent. I wouldn't be unhappy with Baker Mayfield. But right now, he's he's not the guy that would have me jumping out of my seat, throwing the bag of Cheetos in the air. You know, so, but, yeah. but I'm warming up to him. So Okay. All right. Yeah, that's – I went into the Senior Bowl not a, as a fan, but not a fan. I I, I liked yeah. some parts of his game, but there was still a lot of questions. Yeah. And that sure. was the thing that I guess impressed me the most was in a few short days, he yeah. was able to answer most of those questions. Very good. But that takes me to uh, – 
to our second or to my second round pick here. And this is where I fix the the offensive tackle position. And I go with a guy named Jamarco Jones of Ohio State. And I, I think this is a guy he hasn't been getting the praise that a lot of other, of the other tackles have been getting. You got your 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 Williams from Texas that a lot of people have been pretty high on. Uh, you got Orlando Brown. I, I think you're pretty high on him, aren't you? Yeah, I'm very high on Randall Brown. I think he's, you know, been been a little under the radar for a lot of these these draft websites. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I just don't think he'll be there in the second round pick. I he's agree going with you. I do, top twenty I, yeah, probably. I would be shocked. I'd be shocked if Orlando Brown is there. To be honest, I know some some people have him lower, but I I just don't see it. I don't see it. Right. No, if he was available, he would be my second round pick. But I don't have him available. I'm trying to keep this as realistic as I can, at least at this time. As we get closer to draft, obviously we know things change. But Jamarco Jones, I just think he's a very consistent guy. He's got some power to his game. He's got some some aggressiveness, and he just doesn't panic. That was the big thing that really stuck out to me. I think you saw this last year with Menelik Watson. Uh, you see with Ty Simbrello when he was here. You saw with Stevenson when he was in. Those guys panic when they get yes. against some of the top-tier pass rushers. Even against the lower tier guys, they still panic. And that, Jamarco Jones, he just—he's so fluid. He just doesn't take those bad steps. He doesn't lunge at a guy very often. He just stays in his position, and he just trusts that he knows what he's doing. And so I just—I feel like he'd be such a good fit for the Broncos. He'd be yeah. a great fit for the the power blocking scheme. And I think he could just come in and just be very seamless. And I, honestly, part of me would think about putting him at the left tackle spot and moving Bulls over to the right tackle spot. I, yeah, I just think I, he has the the better consistent feet for that left tackle spot that, that you usually really like. But uh, honestly, I could be okay with either of them at either side. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think this would be a great value pick. I, I think Jones is very well developed, but I, I don't even think we've seen his best football yet. He's got a lot of, a lot of upside. Um, I like the way he moves his feet too. I mean, he, he doesn't make many mistakes and I, I think down the line, I, I agree with you. I think you could very well see him at the left tackle spot and, and Bulls at the right tackle spot. I mean, he's that kind of a, an offensive lineman. I mean, you know, worst case scenario is he's a really good right tackle for you, but he's he's got that potential to be that left tackle, you know, that we had with, you know, Clady for, you know, however many years, 10 years or so. I think he really solidify our offensive line. And he's a guy that would come in right away and play. Um, right. Be a there, huge there's value. no development. There's some other offensive tackles in this draft that are a little bit more of a development project, and I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for a a day one starter, and I feel like he's one of the more clean guys that you just know can trust that he's going to get there day one. Yes, I absolutely love this pick in in round two. If this is the way we went, I'd be very happy. All right, well, let's go to, to pick three or round three here. You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this... But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Here we got two picks, most likely. 
And my, my first pick that I went with was a, a wide receiver named DJ Moore of Maryland. And this is again where, and I, I wanted to save this thought because I wanted to wait. I didn't want to give away who I was going to have as my quarterback. But if I have Mayfield, this is what I'm wanting. I'm wanting guys with lots of quickness, speed, what he has there at Oklahoma. That was one thing at the senior bowl. You could tell he was very frustrated having a lot of possession type receivers because they just can get open in a hurry. He'd sit there and just wait and just go, come on, get off your block, get off your, uh, do something. And they just wouldn't be able to do it. And so he'd fit it into a really tight hole or a tight window, but it just, you could tell he's used to a little bit more athleticism than what was there at the senior bowl. And so you get a guy like DJ Moore, you got Carlos Henderson, you got Demarius Thomas, you got Trey Burton, you got our running backs, whoever they might be for this next year. D'Angelo Henderson has a lot of, of, of wiggle to his game. Booker, great receiving option as well. So I just feel like all of a sudden you go from one of the least weapony teams, I guess is, I don't know if that's, you can really say it that way, but just there's not a lot of weapons here in Denver. You go from that to all of a sudden Broncos look like they have a lot of different kind of options for a quarterback to throw to. And so teams all of a sudden have to defend the entire field with this kind of move. Yeah. And DJ Moore, I'll tell you this. I, I love the guy. I mean, he is one of my favorite prospects in this year's draft. You know, I love James Washington who obviously, you know, won't be here at this point, but I think you put DJ Moore on most other college teams and there's no way he lasts until this pick. At Maryland, you know, he he dealt with a couple of dual threat quarterbacks, but you know, this guy was scoring on reverses, you know, he was taking short passes and turning them into long gains. He was taking kick and punt returns to the house. Definitely a guy who when he declared for the draft was was ready to go. I I hesitate to say it, but I think he has star potential at the next level. I think um, with the tools he has, with the speed he has, what he can do after the catch, this guy is going to be a steal wherever he goes, you know, if he goes outside. I'm expecting him, you know, to go about this spot. But, again, another great value pick here at, in round three with D.J. Moore. I just – I this guy, every time you put the film on, every time I watch a Maryland game, him and uh, Tyler Johnson, a running back that they have, are making big plays, and, and Moore's doing it on a consistent basis. You know, I actually, I probably like him. You know, I like Carlos Henderson like you do, but I probably like DJ Moore even better uh, than Carlos Henderson from last year's draft. I actually might be with you there, which is crazy to say because of how much I loved Carlos Henderson. Couldn't believe we got him in the third round, and I would be the same way, way with DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore brings a little bit more to the table. Yeah. I think he has a little bit better hands. I think he's got a little bit more wiggle to his game. And I, I just, I, I he's such a a tough weapon to defend. And I think, like you said, with Mayfield, he'd be such a perfect fit because they ran a lot of the same stuff that he would see at at Oklahoma. A lot of the same routes where you're asking him to do those quick slant routes, those comeback routes, the hitch and go routes. Those are the type of things that Mayfield is used to. And so I feel like DJ Moore would just be that seamless player that they would have an instant connection. Yeah. And what he does with the, you know, after the catch is what really impresses me with, with DJ. I mean, he turns, you know, short yardage into big gains. You know, I talked about this with you a little bit. You know, we haven't had a lot of players in Denver who have made difference maker playmakers on this this offensive unit. I mean, we've really been lacking that. You know, we all liked Alvin Kamara last year. You know, we passed up on him. I know that's a different position, but DJ is definitely in the same aspect of his game where, you know, he's he's gonna be a different difference maker. I mean, he can he can score every time he touches the ball. And this is the kind of guy I want on Denver that we've lacked for years. So 
I, this is definitely one that I will jump out of the, the seat and throw the cheese balls off the couch for Carl. <laughs> I'll be doing the same, man. I'll be doing the same. <laughs> I did it for Don right. Devontae Book. I know. Yeah, that was your boy. I, I remember feeling so happy for you when, when the Broncos took him. Yeah. And just wish he could stay healthy. I, yeah, I feel like that's been a big part of it for him is he just hasn't had quite the reps in the offseason when they're yeah. going through a training camp to really get into a rhythm of, hey, this is this is what I need to do. And then just rookie year going from that backup role to starter as a backup, he was just dominating for the Broncos. He was averaging over five, six yards a carry. And all of a sudden he got put into that starter role and just that those extra carries on that knee that just wasn't quite right. Yeah. Just really, really hurt him and his development. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is the year he really burst onto the scene. I really hope so because th- there is a lot of talent there in that kid. No doubt. No doubt about it. All right. Well, my next third round pick here is Oren Burks, a linebacker from from Vanderbilt, the guy that played next to uh, what was the the kid from last year? Zach Cunningham. Zach Cunningham. Yep. And this is kind of more that that hybrid linebacker safety guy. This is. Vanderbilt kind of moved him all over the place. He's a bit undersized, and I'm kind of thinking maybe this isn't the way the Broncos should go because they're going to be losing Todd Davis most likely during the offseason. But at the same time, watching Todd Davis try to go into coverage, it just made me want to poke my eyes out because it just it was not pretty. Teams yes, just picked on him left and right. And so getting that guy with Brandon Marshall, that both of them can actually drop into coverage and do some things, and this guy, he's got some, um, he's got some quickness to him. I, I just, I recommend anybody go back and watch the the Senior Bowl. This kid, he was a late addition, and during the Senior Bowl, though, he just dominated. He was making great angles. Offensive linemen couldn't catch up to him. I, I think he could do okay in the run game. He won't be great, but I think yeah. he can be okay, and he can be that coverage linebacker that really makes a difference. Yeah. And the other thing about Burks is you kind of you mentioned this a little bit, but he's you know he, he was recruited as a linebacker, he moved to safety, and then he moved back to linebacker. You know, I, I, he added some weight, went back to linebacker. I believe he was uh, third team All SEC as well, which there's a lot of good linebackers in the SEC to even make third team as as a pretty good accomplishment there. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So as I say, the athletic ability with this kid is it's it's off the charts, and this is another kid that. You know, like most college players, I know I say this a lot, but he's got he's he's got a lot of upside. I mean, his best football is, is still to come, and I think he is a great fit for this defense. And like you said, you had the ability to see him in the senior bowl, and, you know, very impressed with him there. But, I mean, he's a kid that you put on the film, and all he did was make plays. You know, he, he runs well. Like you, I, you know, his, his coverage ability, he probably won't be a great cover linebacker, but I think he'll be a good enough cover linebacker to, to definitely play at the next level um, at the very worst, you know, you, you may take him out on passing situations, but you know, to, to play the position of safety early in your career, it either means you can cover or it means you couldn't cover. So they moved you to linebacker because you know, you're that more in the box type of safe uh, safety that moves to linebacker. So he's, he's got a little ways to go in, in the, the pass coverage, but you know, again, a, a very athletic guy keeps, he continues to get better. Um, every game you watch, you know, you see more and more that you like about the kid. Yeah, I'm with you. I think his best days are ahead of him. And I, I just I I would love to see what his athleticism with the other guys on this defense could really mean could really do. And and I, I do think this defense needs a little bit of being infused with more athleticism. 
I think it's lost a little bit over the last couple of years. And so adding a young talent like that I, and, and inside linebacker, I think is a bigger need than people are, are talking about. I know everybody yep. wants to talk about the offensive line and quarterback, but that defense needs some, some talent as well. Yeah. We got to fine tune the defense because you, as good as it was this year, it definitely was not as good as it's been in the past. And it's one of those things that you got to maintain because without that, without doing what the defense has done for us for the past couple of years, especially if you have a young quarterback or a stopgap quarterback, you know, if that defense falters, it's not going to be pretty. And the one other thing I like about Burks too is he's a very, very intelligent guy. He can come in and learn real quick. We was an academic All-American. So you, you always like those kind of kids because you, you kind of know what you're getting into when you're spending a lot of money on these guys. You like those smart kids that can come in and, and learn the defense quick. So I like it. All right, well, my, my two fourth-round picks, I'll put them here together. Andrew Brown, a defensive tackle defensive end from Virginia, and Isaac Yadam, a cornerback. Yeah. I, these are I, – I feel bad because these are all senior bowl guys that I got a chance to really see up close. So maybe I have a little bit of a man crush on them just because I actually got to meet them and, and talk with these guys and get to, to know them a little bit more. So I, I feel more comfortable taking them, I guess. Yeah, but – Andrew Brown. Those are the best guys I think he, in college football. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Andrew Brown, I think he is such a perfect fit for this defense. At that defense, that five tech defensive end, one gap shooting. Virginia asked him to do some some two gap. I don't think that's quite his strength. But you let this guy get his first step and and just go destroy people. He was just all over the place at the Senior Bowl. Offensive linemen stood no chance against this guy. There. I don't know if there was a defensive lineman. Maybe B.J. Hill was a little bit better, but they play a little bit different style of game. And so I just feel like Andrew Brown's that better fit with the Broncos. And then Isaac Yadam, probably the best coverage cornerback at the Senior Bowl. Couldn't catch Jack squat. I, I think <laughs> I think he maybe dropped five, six, seven interceptions. I don't know how many it was, but it, he pretty much ran the route for the receiver, and he just couldn't catch yeah. it. But the fact that he was there that was something special. So I, you can't really, you can't fully fix hands, but you can make them a little bit better. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're covering that well, you can drop some interceptions for him. I mean, you look at some of the better cornerbacks, like Ike Taylor couldn't catch, you know, and, and his coverage skills were, were fairly, you know, top notch at the NFL level. I mean, Carlos Rogers, there's a guy, I don't know if you remember him from Auburn. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, he dropped so many interceptions, but I mean, you got a guy like Carlos Rogers who covers really well and drops interceptions, or you got a guy like Delph O'Neill who covers very poor and he'll pick seven to ten passes off a year because he's getting thrown at a hundred times. So I think I like Yadam. I think at the same time, I think he definitely he's a press cover guy. I mean, very physical guy. I, I'm I fear that the some team like the Seattle Seahawks are gonna steal a guy like this he's, and he's gonna be phenomenal for him. Andrew Brown, that's an interesting name. I'm, I'm glad you have him in your mock. I feel like Andrew Brown may go a little earlier after his senior bowl. I feel like he's a guy that at times did not play well and at other times played great, so there's some inconsistency there. But I, I think he would be an, a, a great fit for this defense. You know, he could come in where he doesn't have to, you know, have a huge role at first, but he can, he can learn. But I think those are two solid fourth-round picks there for you, Carl. I know in talking to you that, 
you know, Yadam was a guy that, that you just raved about. And I've, I've heard from a couple of people how good he looked. And that Boston College secondary, I mean, they're, they're really bringing some, some good players from that secondary to the NFL. So I think both of those are, are fairly good value at, you know, pretty, pretty safe um, bet that that's about where they're going to go. I could kind of see those guys, you know, maybe going a little bit earlier because they had such good senior bowls. Put the tape on Andrew Brown. Sometimes you like what you see, sometimes you don't. But I think you put him in a situation like Denver, I think the guy can, you know, you're going to get the most out of his potential. So I like those two picks. I know I've liked your your mock this whole time, but again, <laughs> you know what you like when you see it. So you and I are on the same page here. Right, right. And it helps. I think we talk about football so much that we've kind of developed the same eye for what we like to see. <laughs> we probably convince each other a lot. Just like, you know, when I was, I've been huge on James Washington since probably mid freshman year with him. And you've probably heard me talk about him so much. You were probably tired of it. And you went to the senior bowl and you came back agreeing with me. So I like, I like to hear stuff like that. And yeah, uh, it, he was another guy kind of like, like Baker Mayfield. There's just things I needed to see him do. It's not that I didn't think that he could do it. It just, I hadn't always seen him do it on tape because of the offense that they ran there at Oklahoma state. Yep. And so to see him do it live and uh, just dominate people left and right to see his hands be as good as they were to see his quickness, to see his route running. That was kind of one of my big questions with him. I just, yeah, I left there going, yep, this is a guy I don't, if we took him in the second round, I would be pretty happy about it. Cause again, we're wanting to add weapons and yeah. he would be a huge weapon added to this Bronco offense. Yeah, he would definitely be a playmaker. And the, the only downfall of taking James Washington is I feel like it would be a little bit of a knock on Carlos Henderson and the development for him. But like you said, we're in dire need of playmakers. And if, if worst case scenario is they both turn out to be playmakers, then it's a good problem to have. So Right. You can find ways to get both of them on the field and both of them some opportunities. Yep, absolutely. And Isaiah McKenzie is another guy we can't forget. You know, he – he had a rough rookie season, but there were times when, you know, he he looked like the the punt returner that we've lacked for years, but, you know, he, he pulled some trending holidays on us too. So he's a guy that, you know, if he can grow and hang on to the ball this offseason, he could be a huge boost for us because I think a lot of people have kind of have given up on him already just because of the issues he had this year. You know, he had a couple bonehead plays and, and he took some chances on punt returns that drove people nuts, but that's also a rookie for you. You know, they – you know, the transition from your rookie year to your second year is huge. And if he can make that jump and learn from those, you know, he could definitely be another guy, another weapon for us. Yeah. If, if he can, if he can put all of this past year behind him, I think that's going to be a big test for him. Yes. Because mentally, could, mentally it was tough on him this year for sure. Right. Well, I mean, his, his biggest plays happened in the first about five weeks of the season. Yep. He was confident. He, Really got, I mean, he was too aggressive. That was his biggest, biggest thing there, but he got away with it those first five weeks. And then all of a sudden he stopped getting away with it. And you just could tell he just, he lost it. And uh, yeah. so how he bounces back, it kind of reminds me of Raheem Moore. Yes. Absolutely. How he bounced back from, from his big, big goof. It, it just, that's, those are the defining moments for players for sure. Yes, for sure. But moving on to my, my final pick here that we'll talk about today. Uh, fifth round, Javon Roland Jones of Arkansas State. This is a guy I just kind of got my eyes on him here recently, and I was trying to figure out. I, I knew I needed another pass rusher because Shane Ray, like you said, he's just been not what you hoped for, and can't trust him to stay healthy. 
Shaq Barrett could be gone. Aaron Lynch is just kind of a, a stopgap guy. And so this is kind of a developmental guy. He, he's maybe not the, the perfect fit size-wise. He's a little bit short for that outside linebacker spot. But he just – he does. He jumps off the page when you watch him on, on tape. And some he – the record that he said, he tied the record for most sacks in a college career with Terrell Suggs. So this guy knows how to get after the quarterback. And like you said, the Broncos just did not have that pass rush this last year. This guy has got a relentless motor. He was Sunbelt's player of the year for the second year in a row. And I know it's not the biggest college conference, but again, you can find talent anywhere. So he's just kind of a guy here late in the draft. Take a chance on him. See if maybe he has something there that that has been overlooked by a lot of teams. Yeah, I, I think it's a good round to take a guy like Roland Jones. I mean, pure pass rusher, like you said, the, the size may not match up, but it's also very low low risk at this you know stage. It, it kind of reminds me of um, a couple of years ago, we took the kid from Western Kentucky. He had the knee issue. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember his name off the top of my head. Never played for us, um, but he was an undersized pass rusher that had the knee injury coming out, but um, Javon Roland Jones, I mean, pure pass rusher. I, I, in my opinion, this is the kind of guy that in our defense is, is a perfect fit for us just because of what we have around him. He doesn't have to come in right away. You know, he can strictly come in, learn how to rush the passer. That's what he does best. Doesn't have to come in and fill a role, you know, as a, as a starter, see what he's got, see how he develops. You know, he's, he's definitely raw. But he can come in and, and at the very very least learn from learn from a Vaughn Miller, put him around a good defense, put him on a team that that doesn't have the pass rushers we have. I think he fails. You put him on a team like us, and I I think he can really take off. You know he's, he's got a he's got that three four. Um, when I think of a guy like this, I think you know succeeding in, in that somebody like the Steelers defense or something like that. You know it always depends on what team you go to, what scheme you go to. But I, I think we are definitely a good situation for him. And I think it's a, of, of a good round to take a guy like him. So the, the guy you were thinking about was Quantaris Smith. Quantaris. I knew I started with a Q. <laughs> Quantaris Smith. Yep. I, I just, just remembered that one. But yeah. yeah, he was the guy that I was, I was hoping could really turn into something. I liked what I saw from him. But again, that knee issue, injuries yeah. are that, that you just never know when they're going to show up with a player. Or if they're going to be yeah, lingering. Yep. Sometimes they linger forever. And unfortunately for, for Quantara Smith, I believe he signed with somebody after us, maybe Jacksonville, but something like you know, that. He just never. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I don't know if you remember this Carl, but back in the day when we drafted Paul Taviese from Marshall in the second round, never played a down for us because of a knee issue. We moved up in the second round and he never played a down for us. So, Oh, <laughs> that's that's it's unfortunate you, you hate to hear that for these players is that back yeah. in 2001 i want to say it was 2001 i think that timing's probably about right i would say you're correct oh well that's the that's the joy and the the sorrow of the draft <laughs> Absolutely. you could do all the research possible and a player that you are as high on as can be never pans out <laughs> there's just something that happens something that's not quite there and another yeah. guy that you've never even heard of all of a sudden comes out of nowhere and does something. So it's, that's why I think that's why we love the draft. <laughs> yeah. A story about that. Chris Harris was a guy when we signed him as an undrafted free agent. I remember having a friend. It was actually uh, George Springstein from our, from our draft uh, 
or I'm sorry, our, our sports forum that we met at, they asked me, we'd signed three, I think it was three defensive backs, James Rogers of Michigan, Darnell Bing of Rutgers, and Chris Harris of Kansas. And I, I talked up, you know, Rogers and Darnell Bing pretty good and said I wasn't so high on Chris Harris. I think Rogers got cut within two weeks. Bing got cut, you know, maybe during preseason. And Chris Harris turned into a Pro Bowl cornerback for us. So sometimes you just never know. Sometimes guys will surprise you. And 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 sometimes those guys that you really like just don't turn out quite like you think they will. So Right. Well, it's I, I can say it. I mean, everybody on this show knows I was a big Paxton Lynch fan. But I never thought, hey, this guy's going to go and care more about Madden football than he is about the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I, I couldn't know that in the evaluation process. All I knew was what I saw watching him, and I saw the tools, and I fell in love with the tools. That's why I think this year I'm sitting here saying no to Josh Allen because I'm going, I've seen yeah. that before. I've, I've, been, I've been in this story before, and it did not end well for me. Ended yep. with egg on my face. So, yeah, I like him. And then you got Nick. <laughs> Who every NFL Sunday when the Chiefs turn on, you you get a text message about Chris Jones. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I feel like he should just go marry that guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he's pretty much <laughs> turning into a Chiefs fan because of uh, Chris Jones. So, oh my goodness, that kid! <laughs> he gets his crushes. That's for sure. We all do. Um, yeah, I'm a little disappointed in Nick because every time I do a mock draft, he always wants to draft for the Chiefs. So. I don't know about him. Hmm. Yeah, he's, he's a little different. A little different. <laughs> but we put up with him. No, he, he's it's a good guy. Birthday, but... So we better talk good about him, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, Scott, man, I really do appreciate you coming on our show and joining us here on, on the Huddle Up podcast. And, and we've, we've been meeting to get you on here for, for the last year. And uh, just to share your information, your wisdom, uh, because we, we both, Nick and I both look to you a lot for, for draft information and and just your eye for for scouting players and and uh so yeah we've just really appreciated all that you've helped us with and and like i said helping just bring us together for this podcast and so again thank you for coming on man yes thank you for having me and i will say that um i feel the same way about you guys i mean i've learned a lot from you and nick and it's nice to have those people that you can talk draft with um i'm glad that you and nick Got to know each other because I will say that there's sometimes when Nick wants to talk draft and I'm busy at work and I feel bad because I can't keep up with him. And that's when, you know, he can kind of rely on you for those, those draft chats. So <laughs> the guy loves his draft and that's what I love about him. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it always impresses me when I talk to other people and they say, Oh yes, Nick's been talking to me all day about the draft and going, well, he was talking to me all day about the draft. How does he have time for all these people? But no, he uh, he does. He loves the draft more than anybody I know for sure. I like the passion he has. It reminds me of me when I was probably about my college years, where I was constantly my draft was or my mind was on the draft, and it makes me really miss when I had all that time in the world. To I'm not saying Nick has all that time, but it makes me miss when I you know was in college and I was constantly researching the draft and talking to players, interviewing them. I'm still doing some of that, but you know, to the extent of what it was, but it, it, the draft is a fun process and I'm, I'm glad there's other people out there that are like me, like you and Nick. So it's definitely been an honor to get to know you guys and be able to share and learn from you guys. So, yeah, well, we, we definitely feel the same, man. And I just want to let all of our listeners know, I I would highly recommend going and following Scott. You can find him on Twitter at blitzing dog three. 
And of course, you can find myself at Carl Demler MHH. And of course, you can make sure to head over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of Scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital. And you can find mine and my co-writers' writers articles. Is we're going to have a lot of draft content coming out over the next about three, four months. It's going to be uh, article after article, podcast after podcast. We're going to give you as much draft content as we possibly can. It's going to be fun, but just get ready. Buckle up. If you have any questions or or comments about the, the draft that you'd love to share with us, just hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as you can check us out on YouTube. Nick, I know, especially loves to go on there and respond to all of you. So get on there, write your comments, let them know how much you dislike this draft that we just did right here or this offseason. Let us know how, how terrible it was or how great it was. We'd love to hear that, too. But you can follow us on Twitter at, at Mile High Huddle and, of course, at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Scott Porter, I'm Carl Dummler wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile High Huddle.